0: Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision,
1: changing the world.
0: I wrote this spoken word. Uh, I had told Ken, Kenny and Mauricio were talking about it there in the corner of church, and they were like trying to like figure out what he's going to talk about, what the word was going to be. And I went up to, I just, like, barged into the conversation, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it, too, like, messing around. And uh, it just so happened the next day I go to FIU for school or whatever, and my teacher didn't show up for class. So, you know, I went to the library and I started working on homework, and I was like, maybe I will write a spoken word. So I did, and, uh, you know, I just prayed about it first and because, you know, whenever I want to do something, I want to make sure that's, you know, what God wants to do, and I don't want to be part of it. I just want, like, God's word to be used through me. So uh, here it goes. Money, cars, and fame. Fresh watch, Jays, and girls calling out your name. Could this be you? So focused on material gains, trying to escape from your life's pains. Living in a fantasy because your reality's insanity, and the gravity of this calamity far surpasses your capacity. Listen for an answer before you reach your fatality. New party every week, pull up in the Beaver, music blasting, friends in the back seat, girl to your right. This party's hot. Will this finally be the night, the night you find satisfaction? Get faded, get wasted, get another line. Will this be the night you finally get your fill? Is it real? Will happiness and contentment fade like times before? Will this hunger end once you step out the door? Woke up hungover, head about to explode, all money blown, and now you're alone? Buddy, wake up. It's time to kneel before God's throne. Nothing but pain, guilt, and strife. Ain't no satisfaction in this life. Abundant emptiness and sorrow, no hope of getting your fill tomorrow. Not tomorrow, not next week, week after that. Ecclesiastes makes it clear, all is vanity. But now God is here, blessings abundant. Waiting for that broken cry, God save me, I'm tired of running. After things of this world, after my pleasures, provision, happiness, and peace are in store. Can you hear now? He's been knocking on that door. Distraction's gone, it's just you and him, and you hear his gentle voice speak. Will you let me in? Let me inside? I'll care for you, love you, replace your name. From loser to winner, no more shame. No worries, no hassles, eternal peace. Patience, forgiveness, all sadness will cease. No longer cursed, but now you'll be blessed. Though once you were naked, I'll make you best dressed. Stop wasting your time seeking pleasure on earth. There's mansions in heaven, so what's your kingdom worth? The good life was paid for and bought with the price. Surrender your will. The good life's in Christ.
1: So powerful. And that's got to be our life, that... This world may tell us what the good life is, but we tell them what the best life is, and the best life is in Christ. And I, I thank God for people like Nick who stand up, and um, and I, I won't forget that night that there was this guy who was trying to tell him what the good life was. Oh, Nick, you gotta, you gotta, um, you gotta not just settle for one girl in your life. You just gotta go around and and be with as many women as you can, and do this and do that. And he says, no. That's not what a man does. A man takes care of one woman, and I'm waiting for that one woman. And I'll tell you that he's a man that is not just here up here saying a nice, reading a nice poem. He's really living it out. He's for real. And I thank God for people like Nick. Let's go ahead and let's give a big hand for Nick. And let's go ahead and let's call Mauricio up on the stage. And let's get ready to hear his spoken word.
2: Uh, this spoken word that that um, we wrote it was kind of uh, going alongside Kenny's preaching yesterday um it was about the power in your words and um, what God can do if you let him through your words or if not how Satan can use your words to destroy others and and it was so powerful just just uh, reading about this and the whole week I was preparing and I was and I was thinking about it and I was I was praying, and I was asking God to show me something, and man, and then I was worried because it was Saturday already, and at four o'clock, and I had to present this thing in three hours, I had nothing, so I'm like, okay, God, you know, do your work again, you know, just, just put something, and, and man, and it was just amazing to see how God just just like poured out his heart on, on, these, on these papers right here, and um, if you can just just at this time uh, when, when I'm sharing this, just kind of, you know, put yourself in, in that place, just open this. And, and receive what God wants to do through you and
3: through your words <clears throat> let there be light the first words ever spoken a resounding echo like a mighty thunder from an infinite being in a single phrase and let there be oceans below and heavens up high Let the fish breathe through water and the birds flood the sky. Let the sun, moon, and stars float in limitless galaxies. Let trees, men, and lions live in beautiful harmony. With the power of his voice, through simple proclamation, he spoke life to the world, it's the motive of our fascination. How four little words created such a grand spectacle from prokaryotes to the Himalayas and the cells living inside you. But it doesn't stop there. That was just a fragment in the sentence. You see, when God breathed his spirit into you, he gave you that competence. To bring life with your tongue or to let it speak death. James three makes it clear. No man can tame it. It controls our direction like the rudder of our ship. And if we speak from our hearts, what are we feeding our hearts with? Is it what you hear in your songs? Women, money, drugs? Yeah, that'll get you far. Have fun with that. Try moving a mountain with that. Try saving a life with that. Try healing the sick or making the lame walk with that. Try telling Satan to get behind you with that. If sweet words are like honey, And the curse is so bitter. We've all fed into those lies. Hey kid, you're a quitter. You won't surmount to anything. You'll be stuck here alone. You're a loser, you're stupid. Hey kid, go back home. Stop trying, you idiot. You're lower than low. Got no worth, got no value. You'll end up on death row. Words like this have no life. They have no hope for a future. It's like holding onto sand while it's falling from your hand try to grasp it if you can you see god's word gave us life stop believing the darkness instead give life back through the power inside us you don't have to look far god gave us an example in matthew mark luke and john christ with the power of his tongue he renewed the leper be clean He raised the lame man, arise, declare his divinity. I am, calm the calamity. Peace, be still and defeated the enemy. Get behind me, Satan. Just imagine the greatest word of all time, God's word. Became flesh and with boldness in his voice, conquered death. It is finished. So follow the example set for us proclaim light in your darkness and peace in your storm your words have too much value for the devil to ignore proclaim healing in your sickness and anointing in your call conquer the enemy he has no power at all where there's boldness and faith walls become cracks. so speak to your future and watch it speak back God made it obvious. He wants his message heard. He wants his people restored. He wants his spirit stirred. There's power inside you, and that's the power of your spoken word.
4: Amen. Hallelujah. And the Bible teaches that our thoughts will be the substance of our words, and the words will be the substance of our actions. And so, what a man speaks will determine the direction his feet will take. And so, I thank God for uh, both Nicholas and Mauricio, which have consumed their thoughts with God. Being young, I mean, these guys are eighteen. Um, they just got out of high school. They're in. They're at FIU with many invitations of many sorts and they've decided to consume their thoughts on spiritual matters and their words to impact their generation and their actions are making a lot of older people feel a lot stupid because they're keeping the ways of the Lord. This week um, there was a program on the radio and a soldier from Virginia was in town and he was listening to the Christian radio and he heard Nick speak his testimony that we recorded a couple of weeks ago. And he says, I want to talk to this 18-year-old young man who is living such a powerful conviction in his heart. And I want to congratulate him. Uh, the gentleman's 36 years old. He's a soldier. He's uh, in town for a couple of days from Virginia. And when he was hearing Nick's testimony on the radio, he called in to say that uh, he specifically just wanted to call to encourage him and to, to really thank him for his words. Um, many of the older men uh, that are between the ages of 25 and 35 have never seen the, the reality of the character of a serious man, someone whose thoughts, words, and actions line up to be able to live in such a manner that they could be exemplary. Last week, I was talking to a 40-year-old attorney, and I asked him, name me one person that you want to model your life after as an example. And you think yourself also, name one person that you know that his character is solid. Um, And he couldn't name one person. He didn't have one single role model, one single person whose life was exemplary. And when we talk about exemplary, um, he says, no, you know, my father to me is my champion. He's my hero. But then I hear a couple of days later, his wife tells me that his, his father's an alcoholic and cheated on his mom a numerous times. So even while some of us will raise up a model and an example of somebody we would like to ideally think we were like, they're men without scruples, without principles, and their children live to dishonor their integrity and their character. So um, we... When we see the dilemma of the world falling around us, and Paul used to see it in his own life, he says, who will deliver me from this, this body that wants to do wrong? He says, thank God for Jesus Christ. And that, that is our model. That, that is why we join today to celebrate. Um, this is what church should be every Sunday morning, to give supreme honor and supreme praise And supreme glory to the one who uh, was able to leave some footprints for us and for our children. And so it's really powerful to see these young men rise up in their generation. This is only the beginning. I I told, I ran into a friend of mine who's an attorney this week, and he says, what have you been up to? I said, hey, you're going to figure it out in a couple years. In a couple years when you see a lot of young men rise up in their generation to... uh, to, to be an example uh, to, to, their, to their peers and even to older people. I, I believe that um, they're going to they're gonna come running asking for um, an example for their children. Let's go ahead and dismiss. Can could, could we go ahead and put that video we put last year? I mean, last week, do we have it, the, the Sunday school video? This is what we're doing uh, to prepare our young kids to beat up on the devil. The devil, the expression of everything that brings uh, that brings damage to our life you, you, you get to put where the devil is working on your life To strip you from your joy And because we want our young people Not to be stripped from their joy um, Talking about a young lady who, who has lived life pretty much And has gone through three abortions That was unnecessary If she would have stood there Between uh, the devils Trying to put stuff into her life To mark her for the rest of her life, I was telling somebody yesterday that uh, about six months ago, um, I was talking to my hundred-year-old grandmother, and I said, Grandma, tell me a little bit about your life. I didn't know what she was going to say. I had no clue what my grandmother would say. She got here from Cuba when she was 75 years old. I said, Grandma, tell me about your life, and so I was recording her, and she began to talk about the time that she had gotten several abortions in Cuba. And she began to weep and she says, I still see, you know, I imagine the face of these little creatures that that because I was distant from God and I was living absent his order, um, the destruction that 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 and she's a hundred years old. This must have happened, you know, when she was in her twenties, thirties, and, and she that still marked her heart. And so we're teaching our young people, don't let the devil mark your hearts. Don't let the devil come in your life early on and cause you to have regret and consequences. So we prepared this little video so they could kick the devil's butt out of their lives and um, defend themselves from things that later they might regret. This is an encouragement for them. our children to raise up when the devil comes. He's not going to come in no pitchfork and a little, uh, you know, red suit. He's, he's going to come disguised, and they'll be able to kick his butt. All right, uh, young men back to Sunday school, young ladies, we give thanks to God for your life <laughs> and how you guys are growing up. We had an incredible time on Wednesday and Thursday on some, uh, the historical origins of the... Dark holiday of Halloween and how it is the second most celebrated feast in the Satanic Church. Um, They they make Halloween a great uh, expression of feasting and partying upon the earth, and by no surprise, um, some people still don't understand the depth of of that expression. So they've called it all sorts of things: the Harvest Fest, a day for candy, a day to have fun, but uh, its origins are really steeped into um, uh, the occult and, and that which is not pleasing to the Lord. Um, somebody asked me, "Well, Pastor, give me one verse in the Bible that tells me that I should not participate." And so uh, I would always direct a verse that was helpful in my youth, Ephesians chapter five, verse eleven, where uh, the Bible says, it has, "Have no fellowship." That word, fellowship, do not participate with the uh, unfruitful works of darkness rather point them out as being such point them out as being not from the Lord and and those of us that want to uh, fall on the kingdom light the kingdom side of eternity where uh, I tell people there's two kingdoms a kingdom of light a kingdom of darkness so we celebrate now not Ozzy Osbourne and and, and wickedness and witches and warlocks we, we celebrate the kingdom of heaven, uh, the king there being Jesus, and uh, and and we start here. Thy kingdom come. Thy earth. Thy will be done here on earth. Here on earth, we begin to divvy up what side we're on, and unfortunately, we're living in a schizophrenic, uh, bipolar society where people still have not decided who they're going to serve and whose side they're on. So people are all over the place. Um, we were talking about. A word for the last days, and and some people don't want to be confronted with the last days. Um, My responsibility as a preacher is to speak of these things and to be able to shed light. And the Bible in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7, uh, it's a word that specifically... Uh, deals with the end times. A lot of people don't want to go to church because they say it's not relevant. It's not consistent with what we're living nowadays. Well, when it's talking about the last days, Peter, one of the followers of Christ, um, he says the end of all things is at hand. This is the final chapter of God upon the earth. And he wrote these words 2,000 years ago. So he's talking about we're already living in the last days. Some people always, they constantly come up to me and they say, hey, pastor, do you think we're living in the last days? I say, yeah. The Bible says that the, the Bible was written, the, Old Te- the New Testament was written for the benefit of the last days. And so it says the end of all things is at hand. That means within reach. It's not distant. And therefore, our... Mindset needs to be that of being serious. Being serious, consistent with sober, reverent, uh, making sure that our conversation is consistent with reality. That's what seriousness is. No clowning around. Um, We're living in a generation that, that comedians are highly remunerated and given large sums of money to bring... Feelings of levity or lightness, making light of things, uh, making fun of all things. And so we see that those are the, uh, when you see um, things like Bart Simpsons and the Simpsons on TV, and you see that 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 would even be popular or remunerated in in our generation. It's a a joke, and it's not serious. They make fun of all things. Um, Being watchful in our prayers, not not religious prayers, but saying, God, you know, I want to be at the right place at the right time with the right people, um, consistent with what your desire is for my life. So this is what Paul is saying, I mean, Peter is saying, and then we talked about certain things that are consistent with this attitude. What does a person who's serious, giving serious weight to the last days, being vigilant and being connected with God in his communication, the prayers. Then it tells us what? Verse 8. It tells us what this person is doing. Above all things, have huge, consistent, weighty, fervent love. Now, in the 60s, there was this whole hippies movement. And they were like, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and rolls. And we're into a lot of love, peace, daisies. And, and that's not the love this is talking about. We're not talking about lust, taking people's advantage by being sexually intimate with them without a commitment. That's not the love this is talking about. Um, be fervent in love for one another is, is the love that we see on the cross the love of God who crucified himself that he might save all men. That's love. Um, the love is the restraint of self, taking advantage of others, um, uh, taking advantage of others at their expense. That's that's lust. That's self. Love is there's no greater love than to, you know, give your life serving and and, and being able to, um, you know, go, go a second mile, go a third mile and, and be able to reach out to others. So in the last days, we're being serious, we're being connected by God, and, and the, the largest tie to being right with God is our capacity to love. And Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So true love is obedience. And not, it's not a feely, touchy sentiment. Uh, it's not twilight. You guys understand twilight, the, the novel? Um, if you love me, you'll go to hell with me. That's, that's not the love we're talking about. We're not talking about a love that's destructive and taking advantage and bringing others down. And that's, that's what we see nowadays. Uh, a boyfriend tell his girlfriend, if you love me, you'll have sex with me. Right? We're not married, and that would be destructive to me and to my dignity and to my honor. And, and that's not love. That's your selfish pig. That's you trying to take advantage of a situation outside of reality. Um, so there it is. Last days being serious, it means being fervent. For those of you that that want another example of this love, it's in the next verse, verse 9. This fervent love um, is one that reaches out to be hospitable, caring for other people without grumbling. The reason why people don't want to go to church today is because they might meet an orphan. And I'll tell you that just last week, we have three boys. Their father is out of their life totally. Their mother just got run over by a car. And so three boys, Matthew, Ryan, and Christian, have come to church, and they need to see an example of a real young man. They, I mean, they're, 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 I think they're 12, 10, and 6. They need to see an example of a family. They need to see an example. And people don't want to join the church Because they would have to give a righteous example to three young men who, when they got here last week, it's almost like they just got dropped off on a a spaceship. I mean, we all have problems. How many are having issues, right? But imagine their lives. And they need you. They need your love they need your embrace they need the consistency of you showing up and giving them a hug and saying how school is and and how's their homework and 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 being here serving them in youth group and there's widows here um and so there's all sorts of real issues in the house of god where you make yourself available to to be hospitable to one another Without complaining, oh, church again. Yeah, church again, because Matthew might want to see you. Ryan might want to say hi, and they might want you to care about them. And without grumbling, without being, uh, you know, raking uh, coals on your back here. Verse 10, uh, Peter continues, as each one, you're not expected to give what you don't have. God does not want anybody to bring you know, it, this, is, this verse says, as each one has received a grace, minister minister it, serve it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Each one of us have a real special, unique uh, characteristics of love and of goodness, and, and we're supposed to see that. And as each one of us see that, um, we'll know that God is in our midst because he says these are manifold measures of grace of God. God is showing himself through all of us. Again, the last days, fervent in love, being hospitable, giving what you got. God is not expecting you to speak French if you only speak German. Whatever you have to give, that's what you offer. Um, So it's, it's exciting to see what God is doing in the church in the last days. Verse 11, it goes on to say, if anyone speaks, let them speak well. If every time you open your mouth, you offend somebody, keep your mouth shut. If you're just offensive, you know, just just nod your head and smile. We don't want to hear words that that are improper, okay? If anyone ministers or serves, let him do it with all the ability he has, which God supplies. That in all things, that in every, imagine each one of us pouring out what God has put in us so that God, in all things, God may be glorified. God might be seen through Jesus Christ to whom he belongs, the glory, the dominion forever and ever uh, the greatness of God is the spotlight of our existence, even as we are part of His church. But verse 12 is hilarious because t- verse 12 says, Do not think it's strange that while you're doing these things, it's going to feel like a real wicked fire has lit your behind. Because when you start serving and dealing with others, you're going to get the backlash of huge amounts of trials. Which will prove your love. Because if you go up to somebody and say, I want to help you. And they step on your toe. And you're like, Arr! and you want to grab them by the throat. No, you say, oh, sorry, excuse me. Um, it was funny as, as uh, the night shows, the, these uh, nighttime shows um, were doing something where uh, they, they told the parents to steal the next day after Halloween. Take all your candy away from your kid and tell them you ate it. And so as the kids woke up in the morning, uh, the parent would say, you know, the Halloween candy you picked up last night, I ate it all. And those kids were throwing tantrums. They're like, no. Well, one little girl says, okay, but next year maybe we could share. (laughs) That was so sweet. She's like, hey, psychopath, how about sharing, you know? (laughs) And then apparently another child saw its parent and he says, that's all right if it makes you happy. Yeah, you ate my candy, you psychopath. If that's what keeps you. So, yeah, it's, it's when you deal with people, you're going to get a backlash of a lot of weird people. And that just that just deepens our love. That that makes the authenticity of who we are, because the more you mess with us, you're, the more love you're going to get. Because that's that's truth. The love is not it's not faked and it's not an appearance. It's it's deep and It's lasting. And this, these fiery trials will try you as, don't treat it as something strange. Verse 13, this is the final verse, but rejoice. The end all be all of the last days is to grow in love, show it outside, be hospitable, to be able to serve in the capacity that you have to serve, and then, Put up with the difficulties of serving, because a lot of people, even pastors, are quitting nowadays. Pastors are like saying, "Go, I don't want to have anything to do with people. Um, I want to be in a long, faraway place where I don't have to deal with anybody. But um, the last part of being ready for Christ's return is that as we are partaking of his suffering, um, that we might be glad with an exceeding joy. Don't let nobody take your joy. I've had a lot of people try to take my joy and tell them, listen. It's not going to happen because my joy doesn't come from you or from my circumstances. My joy comes from this acquainted reality that God loves me and he gave his best for me. So nothing else can take my joy. It's not based on people and it's not based on circumstance. It's based on the authenticity, the genuineness of a God who revealed his love to me towards His giving the death of his son on the cross. That that settles it. You put anything you want on one side, and then you put what Jesus has done for me and the love of God, and nothing can steal my joy. And trust me, uh, circumstances have tried, have tried that reality. But I rejoice in the presence of God at levels that far surpass anything that could take place in my life. Um, So um, I was reminded of my kidney stones. When you talk about bad things happening to you, I think the it's like giving birth if you're a woman or having kidney stones um, is the two comparable measures of suffering and hurt. And as I had my kidney stone, I remembered uh, James 1, I think it's verse 2. In that verse, I was trying to remind myself that I wasn't to lose my joy when God says my brethren counted all joy when you enter into various trials. So I was like with my kidney stones like Lord, I'm trying to be happy, but I hate this and I don't want to lose my joy, but this is getting unbearable. And so for the first four hours, I thought I was going to die. And then the last four hours I wanted to die. I was like, Lord, take me. I don't want to hurt no more. And so during these difficult times, we begin to try to fight out our measure of where we have reached joy. And I can tell you I didn't lose my joy even though I was super humiliated when that little grain of sand came out. And I said, if this put that hurting on me, I am a wimp. Um, our, Our human condition is so frail when we see, you know, the little things that have caused so much difficulty and pain in our life. We're like, Lord, we are truly nothing. Just any little thing gets us uh, out out of peace. You know, you have some very special people sitting next to you at this time. Can you take a time to say hi to them and welcome them to the house of the Lord? Let's give a big hand for all those guys that are coming out to the house of the Lord. We thank God for your life. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring uh, a special couple. Joa and Catherine come up here. I'm sorry, I have to do this. Joa and Catherine have been coming now for a couple of months here, and um, we had the pleasure to go have dinner with them the other night, and um, and it was so awesome um, to see a young couple in our day. Um, sorry about this, guys, but you know I need to introduce you, and I will introduce the rest of us to each other little by little. Um, this is Joa and Catherine. Uh, Yoah is a um, he's a professional painter, um, and, and he does a, c- a lot of things, but he paints. And also, Catherine's a school teacher, and they started coming out here a couple of months ago. And I'm just really, you know, blessed to see again, just like my son, who is a young man trying to attain to what God wants for his life. This couple who comes a couple of months ago, and and at different episodes of their life, they're trying to say, okay, how do I fit what I'm learning at church in my life? Because I, I think it's a waste of time if we're coming out here and we're not moving in that direction. But seeing these young, uh, this young couple move in that direction, they have a baby boy, they're going to have another child pretty soon. Um, they're, they're thinking about buying a house and they're just, just that, that season of life, which I remember um, is past me now. Um, we're looking forward to grandchildren pretty soon. Um, that's our next level. Uh, Yes, you clap. Yeah, I want to see my grandchildren. (laughs) Joshua, calm down. Joshua's back there with a big smile, you know. Calm down. Uh, It was funny because Joshua comes to the house last week, and he says, Dad, I'm having problems with chemistry. And I said, look, it all starts in the eyes. You look and you you check it out. And he goes, that's not the chemistry I'm talking about. Okay, well, I'm sorry. That's the only chemistry I learned in high school. Um, So... And then uh, Richard and Chavelin, Richard goes, I can't believe you told your son that when I was his age. You never let me. I said, you had too much chemistry. You, <laughs> you had to slow down a little bit. No, but uh, getting into seeing a young couple in our generation try to figure it out, you know, try to listen to God. I'm t- I'll tell you there's two things, and real quick, um, the church is here to help you know that God exists you should have that reality i want everybody that ever walks into this place to know that god is real and that he exists and then second of all how to talk with him how to get to know him how to how to live like he wants you to live those are the two aspects the church is here for um the people that aren't interested in knowing that god is, exists or that don't want to listen to him pretty much church is not for you because here at church is not to sit there and and come out here every week and convince you come on you got to listen you got to listen no This is for people that want to know if God is real and how to talk to him, how to communicate. I had a couple come to me this week, and they've been with us for 10 years. And I said, I refuse to listen to any of your issues because 10 years ago when you came here, you didn't know God existed, and you didn't know how to talk to him. 10 years later, you know he exists, and you know how to talk to him, so you should be talking to him, and you should figure out what he's saying and do it. So, um, tell me what God has said. So, that's what what we're doing. But this couple is trying to figure out that God exists and that he talks and that they could talk back. And and so, we went to dinner and it was a joyful scenario. Um, And and they're paying a high price. Because if you run with the world, the world compensates you. And, And so, Joah has been telling me that his paintings are not worldly. They're not full of abstract craziness and confusion. But they're... They're pretty, pretty, you know, light side, uh, kingdom of light, agreeable. And, and so that's not what the, what the world rewards. They want you to be raunchy. They want you to do things upside down. Um, I'm going to give him two minutes, three minutes to share about Monday night's men's meeting. And I'll let Catherine go first because she just told me while we were having dinner, she goes, what are you doing to my husband? He's totally different tell us a little bit about that Catherine. just just real quick because we got
5: um, definitely um, I've been for many years um, the religious backbone if you say for uh, many years um, so when we came here I was just in awe of the safe zone that I felt when I got here um, and I didn't want to push him into doing anything he didn't want to do so definitely Michelle um, was the guy <laughs> that kind of let us hear. Um, and then one day out of the blue, he said, I think I'm going to go to these men's um, uh, you know, meetings. And I said, go. <laughs> um, so I stayed home. I, you know, and, um, and he went. And from day one, it's just been like, you know, he's been the backbone. I've just been following him. You know, he's the one that has been guiding me um, through a lot of stressful times. And the one word that he tells me, thanks to the pastor, has been to be still <laughs> and to um, just have faith. That God will put us in the right path, and God will lead us to where He wants us to be. So, definitely has been a those Monday nights. I, I look forward to them because He comes home with all His plans, and I'm like, okay, let's go. <laughs> so, it's been great. Awesome.
6: <laughs> Amen. Um, well, you put us on the spot, Pastor? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'll tell you one quick story about the men's groups. Uh, we, you know, we've been coming for about six months now, and <clears throat> it's been kind of, you know, I, I feel like God kind of has me by the hand, and whenever, you know, he he puts a test in front of me, he kind of shows me the answer, and he's kind of like, I know you're still figuring it out, so let me kind of show you the way. Um, so, we've been looking to, to rent a house, uh, a townhouse. We have a new baby on the way due in April. Um and so we we've been looking at houses forever, and we had found this townhouse, and we had you know we had some reservations about it, but we had pretty much made up our mind that I was going to go the next morning and put the down payment or whatever is to rent the house, and that was the last that we had agreed on. And I come to the uh, was it? No, Sunday. it wasn't the mess meeting. It was a Wednesday. Um, uh, Wednesday night. Wednesday night mass. And I'm sitting there, and the entire message. I mean, they actually had it up there. It said, "Be still." And at different points of the night, I'm trying to convince myself, well, that could mean this, this, and you, can, you could still get the house. And then he would say it again, be still. And I would look at my notes when I get home, and I had written it six times, be still, be still. So I get home, and she's like, baby, show me the pictures of the townhouse. And I'm like, be still. <laughs> and, and I couldn't even explain to her why. I mean, she did not talk to me, like, for two days. I was like, God, why are you, you know, why are you making me feel so bad? Of course, a few days later, you know, we got a lot of clarity, and I understood, you know, a lot of different things. But, um, yeah, and it, it was—I think it's the first time I've ever made a decision, really, outside of everything I wanted to do. You know, everything was telling me get the house. We had the money; it was perfect, and I couldn't explain it to her. And again, a few days later, I kind of understood, you know, yeah. why why that happened. So.
4: Tell them a little bit about y- how old are you now?
6: 31.
4: Okay, so for 10 years, more or less, you've gone to all these self-improvement, get go-getter courses. Right,
6: so we did, um, I've always kind of believed in investing in myself. Both of my parents are educators, so whether it's through school or through a lot of these seminars that we did, both of us, um, motivational workshops and all sorts of things down this line, and we had a lot of success with them and actually supported me in a lot of what I've been able to do, but the biggest thing I've learned from being here is the, the foundation of everything in, in that realm is if it's up to be, it's up to me. And there's a problem with that because I'm a sinner. I'm a faulted man. I have a million things wrong with me. And now it's like if it's up to be, it's up to God. I don't Amen. even have to worry about Amen. it. Um, and it's funny because we, we, we've actually spent thousands of dollars and time and doing all this stuff, and it's all right here. It's funny as can be. like. Every single motivational quote I've run across, every single thing is was right here all along. So, you know, the message is that is basically there, there's nothing out there. You know, I, I studied advertising, and th- the amount of effort that people put in trying to convince us of things that we need and wear this, buy this car, do all this stuff, and it's all right there. That's that's all we need. So, amen.
4: We appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. Good stuff. Proverbs chapter ten verse twenty two says that it's the blessing of the Lord. This is what we're. This is why we live the way we live. We believe that if we we walk in a manner that pleases God, we could put it up there on the screen. Proverbs ten twenty two, it says the blessing of the Lord makes one wealthy, makes one rich. That it's when God blesses you that you prosper that you increase, that you're fruitful. It's His blessing. And the world might obtain some semblance of fruitfulness and success, but with a lot of sorrow in it. The Lord's blessing and success is without sorrow, and He adds no sorrow with it. Father, we thank You, O God, for Your goodness in this place. We ask You to be glorified. We ask You to be exalted. We ask You, Lord, to... Have your way in this place as we seek your face. We pray that you would prosper and bless our time together as you open up our eyes to understand your call over us, O God. As we move in the direction of your desire, of your deliverance and salvation, give us victory. Give us success and prosperity and fruitfulness in all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I want to encourage you this morning that... The characteristics that are to describe our days is two words, uh, deception and confusion. Those are the two things that are the highest, uh, uh, that are at the forefront of our day and age. People are seriously confused. You see the guys that want to be women, right? Uh, Talking about a phone call that came in. To one of the local law enforcement officers here in Miami. And when he arrived at the scene, he saw a 70-year-old man dressed like a woman beating up on his mom. Okay, that's seriously confusing. But that's the characteristics of our day and age. Guys that think they're women, women that want to be men, uh, children that disrespect their parents, parents that want to bow down and and worship their children. The Bible says, you shall have no idol before me. But it's, it's great deception and confusion that has filled our day. And so in, in order for us to travel successfully, even when we're at church, there are all manner of people that call themselves Christians. Hey, we have Christians of all sorts, you know. Um, just like Jose Palma was saying on Wednesday, that there are Christians that go out and they participate in Halloween. And you're like, you got to be on some serious drugs um, if you are going to celebrate Uh, that holiday and call yourself a lover of Christ because Christ died to deliver us from that insane atmosphere of hellish uh, proportion. Um, So in these last days, Ecclesiastes 9.11, a formidable truth is that the swift, uh, the race is not to the swift. That means it's not the savvy people or the fast people that are going to, Be successful, he says. I returned and saw under the sun, Ecclesiastes 9:11. You can remember 9:11 as a as a as a reminder of this verse. That the race is not to the swift, the battle is not to the strong, the bread is not for the wise, riches are not for people who have intelligence, um, nor is favor coming upon the man who is skillful. But there is a time and a chance to them all. So that that even makes everything more crazy that what we think should be is not what we think is not is what becomes and so in this midst the most scareful thing is the people in church um, you have all manner of pastors nowadays saying listen um, sin is no longer the issue because Christ died and sin has been destroyed so you can sin all you want in fact there's a verse in the Bible says when sin abound Grace comes at larger measure. Grace overabounds. So you have pastors on pulpits telling people the more they sin, the closer they're going to get to God. That's how w- twisted and, 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 and warped this world has become. Pastors that should lead by example are uh, compromising and and are speaking all manner of, sor- of things. Um, now, the Bible says that we have uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians 10.6, if I'm not mistaken. Um, let's read that verse real quick. And yeah, this is it. These Now these things become an example for us so that we should not deviate and lust after evil things as they also lusted. So the Bible says that there's an example in in Israel leaving Egypt, um, they, Moses shows up, tells Pharaoh, let my people go. And six million people start walking towards the promised land. And so that's why we have this illustration up there talking about the exodus, talking about um, leaving Egypt. And in this exodus, um, I, I want to suggest that the word exodus means... A multitude of outpouring. As I looked at, at the dictionary here, it says, Exodus mass departure. Imagine everybody getting out. There's 6 million people in South Florida. Imagine there's a big tsunami that's coming, and 6 million people have to go up the turnpike. And they're getting out of Florida. Um there was research done some time ago that if these viruses that would be tropical in nature would hit Florida, uh, the federal government was going to build a wall at the border of Florida, not letting the Floridians out. And so they, they're just going to, you guys die with your whatever, the Amazon fly virus or the dead cow flu or whatever these things, the pig flu or, you know, all these things. Whatever it is, you six million South Floridians die. So that's not the case here. Six million people started going in the direction of God. And in that multitude, there's all sorts of people. There's, there's, there's crazy people. I don't know. I have to talk about this. I'm Cuban. Remember 1980? The exodus, Marielle, where they were getting all the Cubans out of Cuba. You know what they filled the boats with? You guys tell me. Criminals, thieves, liars. People that did not want to leave Cuba were, were invited to leave. So this is the same thing here in this exodus. There's a mass outpouring of all the things in Egypt that were a problem. And psh, see you later. And they all left. So um, here it is, 1 Corinthians 10.6. These things were written for our example so that we not move in the same way after they did. Um, in that group, there was leaders. How many thank God for leaders? I know some of you don't. I know some of you do You want to know why you don't like leaders? Because you don't like to follow. Okay? And so people, some people don't like leaders, and they're like, I hate leaders, and, and I'd rather just go around in a circle and not let anybody tell me, hey, did you notice you're going around circles? Um, so some people hate leaders. Amongst those people were not only leaders, but there were the ones that helped lead. They were called elders. They were the Olderly, they like, you know, trust me, you want to lead, you want, you want somebody to lead you because we spent our whole life, you know, wrecking our lives and we didn't follow anybody. We were rebellious without causes and, and our life didn't go nowhere. So they're helping the leadership. There were um, priests that served the people regarding the issues of God, they carried the tabernacle. There were people who listened. How many love people who listen? I love people who listen because I usually don't listen. And I'll turn to the person and say, what do you think? So if that person listened, I get from somebody who listened, hey, what, 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 what was this? And so it's awesome to have people who, um, who listen in the group because when you miss something, they, they'll tell you, no, that's not what he said. He said this verse. Okay, so people who listen are a blessing. Okay, and then there's obviously people who don't listen, the rebellious people, and there were people who had their own ideas. Okay, so in this regard... Um, There was also a group of people that the Bible, and we're going to go to this verse real quickly in the book of Numbers, um, chapter 11, verse 4. No, let's go to, I'm sorry, Exodus, we're going to go to Numbers now, but let's go to Exodus 1237 first. So we can just see this, this category of people, and, and we'll call them the rabble. Tell your neighbor, rabble. The rabble, it's a weird word. Rabble. I've never heard that word until I was reading the Bible here. Uh, We're reading Exodus 12, 38. A multitude of people went up with them also. So this is not the leaders. This is not the followers. This is not the elders. These are not the priests. This was a mixed multitude went up with them. And one thing about mixed man, that that word is rabble. These people are vulgar, disgruntled, they are upset, they're they're in the crowd. And it's these people who influenced Israel in Numbers 11.4, now we're going there. It was the the mixture of people within the people that were going. Um, I don't know if you guys could put up there the, the King James Version, maybe it has that word. Now the mixed multitude, or the rabble, were among them, yielded to intense cravings. These people got some hard feelings that we need to desire something other than what God is giving us. Do you know a Christian like that? They would want to rewrite the Bible. They would want to uh, suggest um, things that God doesn't suggest. And it says, so the children of Israel... Also, wept again and said, Who will give us some meat to eat? There was no meat in the desert. That wasn't on God's menu. Do you know a Christian that wants to eat out of his own menu and not out of God? Well, I don't think, I don't believe in that. I believe if there's love, then everything's okay. All you need is love. Listen, these people are in the mixed, they're in the mixed. And if you ask them, they're not going to tell you what the leader's saying. They're not going to tell you what God is saying. They're not going to tell you what the person who listens says. They're going to tell you their own agenda. They got their own. um, I looked up the word since I had never seen it before. And it says these are the disorderly vulgar. um, The disorderly vulgar. Who begin to. Stir up strife amongst the people of Israel. And it's these people here that God is concerned about us knowing that we should be careful because you're going to end up at the wrong place. I don't know anybody who wants to end up at the wrong place, but anybody who has inclined their ears to the rabble will soon do so. Now, what is that? The rabble is. The farthest extent of what God wants. They're the people that, they weren't invited to come, but they came anyways, and now they're stirring up the pod, and they're, they're mixing up the directives. Um, they were at the back end of that multitude that you see. They weren't assigned a lot. They weren't assigned a tribe. They weren't part of a family. They didn't care for family um, so the invitation to participate in a family is not something welcoming them. Now, that's, that's at that far end. But at this far end, there were men who were part of that group. They were part of that group, but they wanted what God wanted for them. And that's me. I want what God wants for me because I figured out after 30 years that what he wants for me is better than what I want for me. And what he wants for me is actually prosperity, fruitfulness, and blessing. And so the Bible says in, uh, we're going to read now, Joshua 14, 8, that there was a man named Caleb, and he went up with me, and he says, but my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people sink. So the rabble was making people discouraged. I, however, followed the Lord my God Wholeheartedly, You guys see the two extremes? One that discourages people from following God and one that says, hey, what God said, he will do. And as for me and my house, I'm going to follow the Lord. There's two extremes there. And so in between, there's all sorts of other things. But here a man named Caleb who, when everybody was on the mix, says, I will follow the Lord wholeheartedly. Verse 9 says like this. So on that day, Moses swore to me, "The land which, which your feet have walked will be your inheritance, and that of your children forever. The blessings not only for you, but for those that come down the pike, because you have followed the Lord, my God, with your whole heart. And there, if there is a travesty in Christianity today, is the people who serve God with half-heartedness. I love the Lord. Oh, I know what the Bible says. Well, then why don't you do it? Well, you know, I just I have strong feelings in another sort or in another uh, scenario here. Um, he says, me and my children after me are going to be blessed because I have purpose. Listen to me. Zero compromise. Zero. I'm not going to play. I'm not going to mess around with what God says. What God says, that's what I want. And I want to walk in it. And so... Here it is in verse 10. He says, Now behold, the Lord has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. If you have a wholeheartedness about your walk in the Lord, I guarantee 40 years from now, you're going to be solid in the things of God. In verse 11, he says... I am still as strong today as the day we left Egypt. And we sat out with Moses, the leader. He's still following the tracks of the leader. I am just as vigorous and to fight. I, he's, he wants to go beat somebody up here. I'm, I'm as vigorous to fight whatever it takes, like that little kid in the Sunday school video. Come on, bring it on. Now, as I was then, I'm so, I'm so given over to these things to fight about.
0: Where are
4: they? Where where are they? Listen, when they come into the promised land, you know what he does? He goes, I want the best place. I want Hebron. I want where the big giants are. This guy is going to take them out for real. There are a group of people called the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and the the half of the tribe of a tribe named Manasseh. They said, no, no, you you guys go on. We're going to stay on this side of the Jordan. Because, you know, we're taking care of our cows, and we just want a nice life, and we don't want to be so radical, and you guys are doing this. Listen to me. It's not going to take half-heartedness. It's not going to take wimpy Christians. It's not going to take worldly Christians. It's not going to take carnal Christians. It's going to take those like Caleb who says, you know something? I'm not tired. I'm not discouraged. I left when I was 40. I'm 85, and bring them on. Some people says, that uh, that Caleb says, look, I'm going to beat them with my fists. And if I don't have fists, I'm going to kick them with my feet. And if I don't have feet, I'm going to bite them. And if my teeth fall out, I'm going to gum them. I'm going to fight. I'm going to stand up for God. I'm going to be the real deal. I'm going to be a Christian in church, out of church, in the world, wherever I go. I love Jesus Christ. I serve Jesus Christ. I will die for Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to dress it up. I'm not going to I'm not going to play lukewarm Christianity. I'm not going to be a Christian in church. Listen, if you have nothing to do with Jesus Christ, you don't belong in church. Church is what Christ died for. It says it's his bride. He's adorning her gloriously without spot, without wrinkle, without stain blemish without any such thing the work of god in us it's not our work we 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 need to shine for his glory we need to live i told yoah i told Catherine, you guys are a young couple let the world see the peace the harmony the joy the fruitfulness of people who live for the glory of god it's not about us carrying a weight of frustration and hardship he wants to give us all things freely To those who love Christ and live for his glory. And so here in this mix, I I just want to cut because we already have the people from the second service showing up. I have a good time. Listen to me. I'm praying for a large church of real Christians that will impact Dade County. Solid, solid people. That love God. That are filled with his spirit. And not, will not compromise, because let me tell you something, the devil's looking for those who will compromise. He's looking for that small edge, that little creek where he could come in and accommodate his entire staff. Hell's host, the hellish demons. And these people, yesterday I was taking a picture of a guy that, that put a demon in front of their house, in front of their door, cemeteries. Really? Is that what you want to come into your house? Is that the image? If you... They would never let a Christian inside their house. A Christian with the Bible says, oh, no, 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 we're, we, we have our own belief system. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do, my friend. And you're going to wake up to that reality one day. Or you have, have adorned your entire life with demons and ghosts and wickedness, and the devil has you in his grasp. The Bible says that there's a kingdom of light. And so he was inviting them to be part of that kingdom, and, and only a few were able to move in that direction. And then the rabble, the rabble, were in the mix. You guys, we're going to have triple O in this church because Oliver gave it to us, out of order. The young 10-year-old boy comes, hey, pastor, I got a new one. I said, what happened? He goes, triple O. I go, hey, Oliver, don't mess me up now because we're following. What's triple O? He goes, out of order. I go, I like it. That, that works. Anything that's out of order is not part of our lives because God's bringing, bringing us into order. And so the other thing is rabble. We're not part of the rabble. We're not part of the people that are discontent, disgruntled, and feel it so horrible to be part of God's people. So horrible that God would give us guidelines for blessings, for prosperity, for peace, for joy. People are stricken with depression all over the world. Hebrews 1.9 tells us the secret to get out of depression. And it's to draw a good line between that which is wrong and that which is right. Hebrews 1.9 says, if you love what is righteous, that's all of God. Because you have loved righteousness. And you have to acquire an appetite to hate evil. To be disgusted with evil. Every time I hear somebody come up and bring something weird to my life. They're like, hey, you know something? My daughter fell in love with another girl and she wants to marry her. I'm like, oh, I get a knot in my stomach. It makes me nauseous, not that they're gay, that they have been deceived and living outside of God's peace, outside of his joy, a life of torment and sorrow. He says, because you love the things that are right all the time and because you hate the things that are wicked, that word wicked means twisted, triple O, because you hate what is triple O for this reason. God will set you high above all your friends, and you will have a perfume of joy. You will have an oil of joy. You will be so full of joy. You're, you'll have a Colgate smile everywhere you go because you have decided to distinctively mark that which is right and that which is wrong. And my, my measure in this house is let's draw that line and then run a 1,000 miles towards Righteousness. So we don't, we're not playing on the line, no straddling the fence. Pastor, am I close enough? I had a guy come in here a couple of years ago. He Pastor, I finally found the woman of my dreams. I want to talk to you about it. There's just one little thing going on. I said, well, let's go talk about it. And he says, this is the woman of my dreams. She's perfect. She, she's just like everything I ever wanted, except she's married. what are you insane are you crazy but guess what we laugh but that's our lives too we everything is perfect just, just, just. and we're messed up and and the today's message is it takes all I, I want to see all of God's glory I want to see everything he has for us Let's stand. You, you need to hang around with people that are world changers to be a world changer. If you like people, that, if they, you're hanging out with people that love the world, the love of the Father is not in them. They're not desiring the things of God. And they're never going to see it. They're never going to see it. Later on, we see these three tribes. Reuben, the word Reuben, it means that he's being led by his eyes. He wants everything his eyes see. The name Gad means, I want the treasure for me. He's living a selfish life. And Manasseh is a group of idolaters. They're just split in their ways. They're double-minded. They're forgetful. They're like, what did the pastor say on Sunday? I pray you never forget what God said through me today. And that you'd be so encouraged that that's the mark of the high calling Christ Jesus. Christ did not die for a bunch of losers and wimps and miserable people. Yeah, we came from there. We were, we were out of control. We were, at, we were triple O to the 10th power. We were out of order extremely. But God has come with His Spirit, with His grace, with His love. He's embraced us so that we might abide under the shadow of the Almighty with great and precious promises. With promises to be the head and not the tail. To have peace to have joy, to be, leave a legacy of blessing. Hey, um, Grandpa, yeah son, how'd you take care of Grandma? There's the end of conversation right there. End of conversation, because he didn't take care of Grandma. He didn't bless her. He didn't refresh her. He didn't give her peace. Father, I give you thanks for today, this day you have made. I'm bringing out a lot of people into salvation, but in our journey, we see a lot of rabble. We see a lot of mixture. We see a lot of people who are compromising and who are grumbling and people complaining and people who don't hang out with the leader and people who question the leader and people who want to compromise and stay on the other side of the Jordan and people who are looking about how to please their cattle and not how to please God. People looking how to prosper without knowing that the only prosperity there is, is to follow you, and to be close to you, and to grow in love, and service, and joy. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move us in that direction all the more in these coming days. For the days are wicked, Lord. People have lost love, people have lost dignity, they've lost honor, they are confused, they are deceived, they believe lies, they hate truth. They're far from your spirit. They don't read your word anymore. They follow the ways of the world. They're quick to celebrate ungodly uh, feasts. They're quick to move because the world makes them move. But you always have a remnant of people like Caleb who says, I was young and now I'm old. I wanted to fight then. I will fight now. You have given me a land, so I want the best of it. I want Hebron. I want the mountain of God. I want to defeat the giants that are there. I want to serve you all the days of my life. And in the house of the Lord, I shall dwell forever. For this is the place where I receive my strength. This is the place where I receive my encouragement. This is the place where the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame walk and the dead resurrect. This is the place that you have given us to be a light to the nations, to be able to shout to Miami and tell them, repent and seek ye the ways of the Lord. Lift up the banner of the Most High God. Come under the shadow of the Almighty. Come under the hand of the Most High God to serve Jesus Christ as he is worthy of all honor, power, glory, praise. Father, we pray that your blessing would be on each family here. And that through the week, we might be sensitive to your voice. And that we might continue to move forward in the direction of this great exodus. This mass departure from this world to the next. That your kingdom and your righteousness is what we seek all the days of our life, And we give you thanks for your peace and your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. And the house of God says amen, amen, and amen.